Hello and welcome to the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike and I am your host. Yes, we are still rolling through our segments with the student naval aviator, Josh. Uh, We have this segment and one more segment left. And who knows, maybe by then uh, we'll have talked to him at his first duty station. I just wanted to let you know that uh, what you're going to hear today was recorded in June of 2009. And when it gets started, at the very beginning, you're going to hear me or his reaction to me reminding him that the last time we had spoken was four months earlier in February of 2009. So uh, without any further waiting, uh, let's get started. Right. The beginning of February is, wow, I was just barely... I hadn't even started instruments yet. I was still on transitioning to the Charlie model. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a bearing on what I was doing. That's fine. So. It's been a, it's been a while. Okay, so I I believe I had just come out of RI Sims, instrument Sims, and I was getting back into the helicopter to go do instrument flights. Okay. So that's when we spoke last. Lots happened since then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the biggest chunk of training was uh, instrument training, besides just basic contact visual flying, uh, was instrument training, which was basically where you caught me in the middle of between the sims and the flights. And then uh, I got my NATOPS instrument rating, which is the big part of advanced. And then uh, there's some other flights in there, like uh, formation flights, night vision goggles, uh, landing on the boat. So, you know, a couple different things in there. It's kind of like a half boat, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the Baylander. It's like a little army tugboat that they have, like, a deck slapped on the back of it. Uh-huh. So, it's a fun little day. So, how many how many uh, landings did you get? Uh, I think we do... I want to say we do about four or five landings, uh, practice landings at a field, FDLPs, uh, field deck landing practice. And then uh, we do SDLPs, the actual ship landings. Uh, we'd probably do like four or five of those too. So you take two students and you swap out. It's it's like a really fast day because you land at the field. The guy in the back hops out. That first student does like five landings, swap out. The other student does five landings. You both get back in. You both go to the boat. You land. The other guy gets out. One student does five landings, swap out five landings, both students get back in, and you go back home, all on one bag of gas. So wow. It's Chinese <laughs> fire drill. So I take it the um, the field uh, the field uh, landing pad is fairly close to the water. Uh, no, it's 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 literally at one of our OLFs. That's okay. It's just it's it's just a deck spot painted on the on the runway. And uh, there's there's uh, an air crewman who just you know acts as the LSE and brings you in like it's a normal ship approach. Okay. And you practice doing that just to like practice actually going to the spot, looking at the LSE to get the signals, and then picking up, you know, sliding out left and then transitioning forward. You just practice just on a painted spot. Gotcha. And then you have to do it for real. All in one day. All in one day. So so what was the last? syllabus item you had to do then was that was that it or no uh well let me see after my instrument rating i did uh, low levels which is just low level navigation uh you know 500 feet a couple flights and then you go down to 200 feet and it's just navigating off of low level charts and timing and all that good stuff after that i believe i went into um i went into formation flying and in the middle of formation flying, uh, it was on a Tuesday because they do the boat every Tuesday. In the middle of forms, I did my boat flight or, you know, the okay. FDLP, SDLP flight. And then finished up forms, and I did NVG's last. So that's the last thing I did. Now, did you have any difficulty with any of it, or is it all, by that time, fairly easy to digest? Uh, I, I think things definitely pick up after the instrument rating. They give you a lot more credit because, you know, you have proven yourself through m- pretty much most of the syllabus. The remaining blocks are only a couple flights apiece. Um, I, I personally didn't have any problems. I, I Throughout all of advanced, I never ready room on Saturday or unsatted any flights or briefs or anything. So I was fairly happy with my performance. 
Because I think I had one unsat and a couple of marginals in primary, but I did a lot better in advance than I did in primary. Well, it's you know, getting your it's gaining your measure, understanding where you where you need to apply extra. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, study you whatever. Figure yeah. things out in primary and advance. You kind of know what's expected of you, even though they kind of raise the bar a little bit. You can kind of gauge it better. But I mean, on top of that, I mean, some people just find their niche. Like you know, in primary. I, maybe I just wasn't a very good fixed wing pilot, and I kind of got <laughs> helicopters. I have no idea. But either way, okay. So, so MVG last last uh, X you had to fill. Now, um, how long after that? Between what do they call it? Syllabus complete, right? Yeah, I finished the syllabus uh, on like a Wednesday, and I want to say I. I think I, I think I, at that point I knew I was going to wing by the certain date, and that date was actually going to be the next Friday. So I winged on a Wednesday, and or I completed on a Wednesday and, and winged the next Friday. Ten days later. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> let me offer you some congratulations first. Well, thank you. <laughs> now that we're into this, um, you know, it's no no small feat, you know. Yep. Um. All right. So you got your wings now. Uh, I know we didn't discuss too much what we were hoping to get or what you put down for your dream sheet. Why don't you tell us what what you wanted, and then tell us what the the, the practical joke department ended up giving you. <laughs> um, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll be completely honest. I, I wanted San Diego first and foremost, and and they actually give you an option on your sheet whether you'd prefer airframe or you'd prefer coast. And I actually put coast over airframe, and I put my first three choices uh, in the community that I wanted, but all San Diego first. So I put like HSC West, HSL West, uh, or HSM West, HSL West, yeah, whatever was available. I think HS West wasn't available, but the other three were. So I put them in order that I wanted them, but all San Diego. Okay, so HSC Uh, was number one, you said? Yes. HSM two and HSL three? Yes, because those were the only ones that were available. And they're still they're still putting people in the HSL rag, even though it's all transitioning. Yes, HS and HSL are still selecting, um, but HS didn't happen to be available my week. Okay, but, well, yeah. you didn't miss out. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, in my day, HS was to be avoided. That was. Uh, it, it seems like the gouge these days is you want to avoid HSL, but yeah, I'm not gonna talk too negatively about other communities yeah i know it, it's easy but, for me uh, it's easy for me through a 25 year prism okay <laughs> i just i just uh you know remember who who selected what and, and how uh, i still remember very clearly how the chips fell when we selected and who got what yeah and uh and nobody who got hs was happy <laughs> well you, i think you have to understand that from from an air crewman perspective, HSL is probably a lot more fun than HS. But from a pilot perspective and community perspective, it's there's a lot of gouge going around that HSL is just not a community that you want to join. And, you know, it's the oldest airframe and this and that. So yeah, from yeah. a pilot perspective, it's probably a little different. Gotcha. I understand. I understand. Um, all right. So so you got San Diego. Did you get your first choice? Uh, I did not get my first choice. I actually got uh, what I had put down as number four on the list. Oh, there's a number um, four. Okay. There's a number four. Uh, basically, the way I figured it out was, you know, San Diego choices, I knew were going to be the first, you know, three. And then I pretty much knew what I did not want and put those as my last choices and then kind of filled in the middle. Okay. Uh, so what did you even, not want? Uh, what I absolutely did not want was HSL Mayport. <laughs> so that okay. that was number thirteen. Okay. The other ones okay. were like HM Norfolk, and then oh like sure, yeah HM Japan. Would, HM sounds like a fun gig. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so those kind of fill the you know the last blocks. But uh, my fourth choice was uh, HSC Guam, and then HSL Hawaii. I think was number five, and the rest that were inconsequential because I don't remember what they were. Okay, HSC Guam. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a four deployed HSC unit in Guam. There is. Interesting. That's new. So it's it's difficult to say because, honestly, my first choice with respect to airframe is HSC. So I got my first choice in airframe. So you're flying uh, – uh, is that R's or S's? It's the brand-new Sierra model. S's, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time keeping them straight nowadays. I mean – Yeah, I didn't know a thing about helicopters <laughs> when I first selected them. So. It, it was – you know, <clears throat> B's and F's were the last time that you know I was really into it in <laughs> – I come back, come back around, and it's all being scrapped for. You know, there's something to be said for trying to unify the the airframes across the what do they call it the enterprise now. But 
Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so Sierra is the, is the I guess, the utility model, and Romeo is the tactical model. Is that how it's breaking out? Uh, well, the, the Romeo is basically, what, what's happening is HS and what used to be HC is going to the Sierra model. Okay. Um, and then HSL is basically transitioning to HSM, which is the Romeo. The Romeo is the, the ASW uh, airframe, basically. Okay. That's the one with the Sona buoys and all that good stuff. Now, does, okay, but does HS still, does ASW work, does it not, in her zone? Yes, yes, they still do. So it can dip? Can, there, can the Sierra dip? Uh, the Sierra, no. We don't have any of that. Okay, kind of so HS would still fly with Romeo models then to do the yeah, ASW work? The, the, the ASW part of HS is going to be what the Romeo is going to do. And uh, like what we're taking over from HS is more like the uh, the SAR and uh, you know Lift. that kind of stuff. Okay. So are HS going to be composite, like two different kinds of airframes, like the olden days, I guess? Or? Yeah, like HS is, is transitioning to us. Okay. So, uh, it's it's complicated. I, even when, I don't fully understand. When they actually it, get it in a play, it probably might be easy to see once you see what they're after. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're HSC Guam. Um, so I take it that means you got some ragtime. And how long are you gonna be out there? Is that a year? Uh, well, I'll be here uh, in the rag in San Diego for about six months, and then the first uh, fleet tour, the sea tour, is gonna be about. It's typically about three years for JOs. Yeah, but isn't Guam considered a forward deployed and you're only there for a year? No? Uh, it, it is, but it's still going to be a standard three-year tour. Okay. I, I mean, I think anywhere you go would be like that, even Japan or whatever. That's just a standard, you know, first sea tour for a J.O. Yeah, and that's not different. I just I, I just seem to recall that the out-of-the-way places, you were there for a year, and then you did your next two years somewhere else. Uh, as, as far as I know, I, I think we're there for all three. Oh, oh, that's a long time on an island out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm going to be deployed probably half the time, so I'll get to see all sorts of places out in the world. Okay, so <clears throat> the the HSC Guam. All right, so what uh, what squadron is that going to be then? Can you tell it's, me? Uh, is that allowed? HSC 25. HSC 25, and uh, do they exist now as an, with another name? Are they like HC11 or HC3? Uh, I I think, I believe they used to be HC5. I could be wrong. I think it was HC5. Okay, so now, HC5 might, might have been the four. They might have been what used to be in uh, Japan with the um, Midway's group back in the day. All right, I'm just, you know, I got to do the old guy translation too so I can speak <laughs> it to. All right, wait, no, HC5, is that used to be the Firehawks, weren't they? Ah, anyway, so, all right, so you're going to be forward deployed. And now, does that mean you're going to be floating on, like, replenishment ships? Or you um, get to float on combatants? I believe, I believe, I really haven't done a lot of research, but I believe we are on a lot of uh, USNS debts. And oh. uh, we also have an amphib debt on the Essex, I believe, uh, like a SAR debt for the Marines. Okay. And then, uh, we also stand a 24-hour SAR SAR watch out there just because the Coast Guard has no air assets on Guam. Oh, so, we, so we basically take the place of the Coast Guard out there. So you're like Station SAR as well then? Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Are you mentally prepared to spend uh, three years on a rock in the middle of the ocean? Uh, it's a little late at this point. Yeah. <laughs> complain about it no, I mean, no, it's done, I, it's say, done and i didn't say complain you know there's still there's a difference between you know knowing your fate and actually accepting your fate in the gut uh, so yeah uh, I, I mean obviously uh, i'm trying to do a lot of research and and everybody that i've talked to has said guam has been a good time and honestly even if it's horrible it's it's only three years so i'm, I'm going in with a positive outlook i think it's gonna be a blast and especially deploying i'm gonna get to see some cool places Especially on so, USNS, boy, that those are good gigs too. Good quality of life, yeah. Get your own stateroom. <laughs> no yeah. sharing, no sharing. Wow. Um, I mean, you know, there's there's amazing diving out there, and and the housing pay that we're going to get. If I get a roommate, we could probably get a penthouse apartment out there because they pay us each twenty three hundred bucks a month in OHA, which is the uh, it's like BH, but it's uh, use or lose. They don't pay you; they just basically pay uh, the, you know directly what to, it costs you. Okay. Interesting. I actually have to. 
I'm I got the itchy finger to to Google up some Guam facts here. I don't because <laughs> I'm like I have like no clue. Um, yeah, what, the but, first thing I did after my ex had called me was look up where the hell Guam was on the map. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I mean, you know, what do we know from history, right? That the Enola Gay left from there <laughs> to, yep. to drop her bombs. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, the it, I remember the name of the town or the name of the air station is Agana, right? Is it Agana? A G A N A. See, I got to do the Google Guam. I, I, I'm, I, they said it uh, that I'm going to Yigo Guam, Anderson Air Force Base. Oh, Anderson. Okay. All right. So here, googly maps. So how far Guam is from anything else that we know about? Very, very far. Not far from Japan or Australia or the Philippines, but oh yeah, America. it's 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 uh it's due west of the PI. So I suspect that you'll do all your tra- your uh, trans you know you'll fly fly to the PI to come home for. Well, you don't, we don't have a presence in the Philippines anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to. I guess you, I think typically you you bounce in Hawaii and then go from Hawaii to Guam. Can you get from Hawaii to Guam in one? I guess a C five or whatever we're using for transport nowadays can do it, right? Yeah, it's not that far. Okay, but it's you know between the two flights, it's long. Wow. Now, what do you get to take with you? Like a sea bag? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> No, they they do they do government uh, moves and everything like normal. I'm sure they limit it to I don't know maybe ten thousand pounds or something like a that. Government but I'm, move to Guam. I'm not going to take a lot of stuff with me. I'm probably going to sell what little crappy furniture I have here and just you know get stuff there. So, something tells me you'll be you'll be yeah three years is a long time to sit in one spot. You'll you'll probably be buying stuff as it is. Yeah, I suspect you'll visit Hong Kong and the Far East. Oh yeah, I'm so, more interested in Australia. Hey, yeah, that's a worthwhile trip as well. Well, just that's due south. Yep. Not too far by the looks of things here. Now, did any of your classmates also end up in Guam, or were you by yourself? Um, let's see. The week the week I selected, there was one other guy who got it. Um, I, I I know him a little bit, but you know he's married, so it's not like a good buddy that I'd be hanging out with a lot. But uh, actually, another really good buddy of mine, my fan partner in uh, the HTS. Um, he actually selected Guam just this past election class, so I'm I'm really excited that he's coming out with me. So just a couple weeks behind you. Actually, by the time you get through the rag, you might be caught up. Right? Oh yeah. You 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 can't tell with flight training no. easily. Um. Now does it does the married guy get to take his wife with him? Oh yeah. So yeah, it's considered absolutely. a company. Okay. Yeah. Things it's a regular changed. old PCS move. Just to Guam. Just to Guam. <laughs> I know I have this vision that's a tiny, tiny island, but I, it's got to be bigger than that. Uh, it's it's small, but at the same time, it's a huge tourist attraction. I mean, they have tourists like a who? row of like luxury hotels and resorts and stuff, and you know, there's tons of Japanese tourists and a little mix from you know Europe and America. But I wonder what it, I wonder what its equivalent size is. I think it's like 22 miles long by like 8 miles wide or something like that. It's it's small, but uh, it's... So it's... Yeah. Well, it's the size of a, of a Hawaiian island at least, huh? Yeah. Sweet. All right. <laughs> okay. So you got... All right. So you, you winged on a Friday. Do you have your big... Do you have a big whoop-de-doo? How many people winged with you? I believe we had... Uh, 30 people total. 23 Navy. Seven seven Marines. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, and then, did now, when you winged, did you already know, uh, did you already find out your selection by then, or did you have to kind of hang around for a while after that first? Oh, no, no. They, they used to wait until, like, your soft patch, which is, like, the day before, or maybe even the winging. I don't remember. But they used to tell you right as you wing. But nowadays, they, they actually tell you on the Tuesday. You're, you have to wait around. Your XO either has a meeting or that night he'll call you and say, hey, listen, this is what you got. Congratulations. And hopefully if it's what you wanted, you're happy. <laughs> if not, then you can shut up and get off the phone that's with right. the XO before you yeah, get right. into peace of your mind. Suck it up and drive on. Okay. Now, but that's a Tuesday after you wing. 
that's the Tuesday before. Oh, like before. you wing okay. on the Friday and, and the Tuesday before he will call you. I mean, that way you can kind of mentally prepare yourself because then your family comes in, you've got other stuff to do. So at least gotcha, you find gotcha. out. And now did the family visit, did they come do all your stuff? Yeah, it's actually a, a fluke because I had um, every probability of making the wing class just prior. Uh, and for whatever reason, the weather was ridiculous for about two weeks. I mean, we literally had like Armageddon for two weeks of just horrible weather and it delayed me winging to the next class. And if I had winged when I originally thought I was going to wing, only my, uh, my parents, my brother were going to come, but because I got delayed, it somehow worked out through a fluke that my sister, her husband and, uh, their baby came also with, uh, my parents and brother. Nice. So who pinned you? Uh, my mom. Was she happy for you? Was she crying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else do moms do? Yeah, yeah, but see, you know, it's half of it's pride, and the other half is, you know, they don't know if you're going to make it, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so Wing Tuesday. Da, da, da. Okay, so you knew before, so how, okay, so you wing on Friday, how much time do you have to pack your crap and go? Uh, basically, with respect to checking out, they, they tell you, uh, <laughs> Keep an eye on bupers, and whenever your orders come out, that's when you're leaving. Uh, so typically, before your orders come, they uh, you sit around the squadron, and you know you muster every day just to say, "Hey, I'm still alive. I'm not in jail," and uh, and they'll put you to work. They may have you stand uh, RDO, which you you basically are in charge of one of the outlying fields and keep track of all the aircraft. It's yeah, just yeah. one of the duties we stand. Uh, or you'll go and you'll observe solos. You'll you'll co-pilot some student flying his solo out somewhere, um, or just things like that. Oh, you just get the fly, you know that was yeah. That's always yeah, it's a good deal. I mean, it's it's funny too because you know two years of flight school, I never get sick. Well, the one time I get sick is when I get free flights observing solos. <laughs> and I had to actually take myself off a flight one day. You barfed? Did you barf? No, no. I I just I was I had like a really bad head cold. So oh, okay, like, okay. I, I'm that not, kind I'm of not flying today. That kind of sick. I thought you meant like oh, air no. sick. Okay. No. no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So so what was your actual time between? Friday and you know pack your pack your crap. Uh, How long see. did you have to hang around? So I winged on the twenty fourth, and uh, actually my orders were on Bupers the Sunday after my winging. Like that weekend, I dropped my parents off the airport. I checked online. Sure enough, they were there, and I, I saw the lovely word sear on my orders, and I was like, awesome. <laughs> so uh, I checked out on May eighth. And packed out, and I was driving on May 8th in my Penske truck cross-country to California. Uh, I made it here a couple days early, signed a lease, got an apartment, uh, moved in, and hung out for a couple days and just enjoyed doing nothing. (laughs) And checked into uh, Sears School on the 18th. Okay, now now you make it sound like Sears could possibly come at another time in your pipeline. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, not not everybody goes to Sears School. As a matter of fact, it's probably like I don't know fifty fifty. I mean, it really depends on the week. But I, you know, my week it was sort of hit or miss. Some people got Sears orders. Some people didn't. Uh, you can do it uh, after the rag, and I think that's generally when they try and do it. If you don't do it before the rag. Um, other than that, I mean, I've heard random cases where if you know for whatever reason they're backed up, they could send you in the middle of the rag or. I've heard some guys even go to the fleet and get it waived for a first deployment, and they'll do it when they come back. I don't know, but typically oh, it's done suck. before the rag. That yeah. would waste suck because you're out. Of, you're out of the training mindset. You're out of. You're out of. Uh, you know, you got. You're in fleet mode. Yep. And to go back to something <laughs> like that, I wonder if that. I wonder again if that's different for my current day brethren because for us it was it was seriously programmed, and you know when you know, we had. Basic training, uh, NACCS, uh, and A school. That was that was programmed. That was you, when you got your orders out of basic training. It was those were, those were the next two stops you had, and your orders terminated at A school until you got assigned your your community. You know your right. And, and at that point, then they generated again. You're going to be you're going to go to for us for me it was you know search and rescue school. Then Sear School, then uh, what they called the Common Core, and then you know uh, Rag, and that was all programmed. You're going to be here on this date. You're going to be here on this date. You're going to be here on this date. And if you rocked out, you know, failed, then all that crap went out the window. 
but they still expected you to go in that order. And, you know, there's some slot built in. Uh, when you finish search and rescue school, I checked in the phaso and had a week to wait before the next seer class pulled up. So I, you know, swabbed decks and waxed decks and tried to... <laughs> All the fun stuff. <laughs> you know, you know the, the only good thing is you're done by noon, you know, but it, it was crap work for the first four hours of the day. Um, right. So I just find it interesting that, you know, with these guys, they kind of play it loose. And I, I just got to wonder what the thought process is. Yeah, I or, think it's it's more like if if they don't need us at Sears School or if, they're, if they don't have the money to send us, they can easily just have a stand duty at our squadron. So <laughs> Money? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they can put us to work doing something. Okay, now, there's been, there's been uh, various, I guess, discussion online as to what's uh, disclosable for people who go to Sears School. Some people yeah. remember signing NDAs. Some of us do not. Do you remember signing a non-disclosure agreement? Oh yes. Okay. It's and it's it, and I don't know what it was like in you know twenty years ago, but today <laughs> it is made very clear, very clear that you can be prosecuted if you talk about Sears School. Very interesting. Now, at all in the public or I mean, because when you're hanging around, did you see? Because see, for us. We were running into guys all the time that were just a couple weeks ahead of you, and they just got back, right? So that Friday night, they just got back, and we're not going yet, and we're in the club. And, you know, in the club, we're just trading stories about all the crap that happened up there, you know? Right. And, and so does does your non-disclosure agreement cover even that? I mean, do you even sit over a beer with someone who just went or is about to go and tell them your own experience? At all? I mean, honestly, like I, I don't have a copy of the NDA, so I can't tell you exactly what <laughs> okay. isn't or isn't. I can tell you this: they they really emphasize the fact that you know you can say little things here and there, but really the meat and potatoes stuff is the resistance stuff. They really don't want you talking about that. Um, and honestly, you know, if my friends were to really ask me questions, like if they asked me specific questions, and I figured it was something that they should know or could help them. I'd tell them as okay. long as it wasn't directly related to the resistance stuff. But ultimately I view, you know, knowing stuff about your training beforehand, the same with Sears school as it was with OCS. Okay. I read every single thing there was to know about OCS, even all the secret stuff that you weren't supposed to talk about. Uh, not that any of it was classified, but you know, they just don't want people knowing. And my experience was that knowing that stuff beforehand really Didn't doesn't, help help you it doesn't it doesn't prepare i mean you you know what's going to happen you know it's going to suck but you really have no idea how bad it's going to suck that's right okay and you can read all day about what's going to happen at seer school it's not going to help you or make it any easier nope. it's just all it does is make you just dread what's coming up because you know it's coming <laughs> it's and honestly not- <laughs> all the gouge that i got about seer school which i i read some gouge I kind of wish I hadn't because I think that, you know, parts of Sears School would have had a bigger impact if I had seen it for the first time going through it. But that that's just my opinion. Okay. Now, uh, did you guys uh, – okay, so, you know, Sears School's a you know, land survival portion and then the play games portion. Did, did the, the way I view it is, is it's a camping trip that ends really badly. <laughs> well, I, you know, I just remember the uh, – uh, well, first we went to the desert. Did they take you out to El Centro? No, our field portion started at Warner Springs. Okay, yeah, we spent we spent a night in the desert for you know desert survival training, and and it was you know put up here's your parachute. You know, you and a couple other dudes shared. You know, you find a, a shrub brush and try to make some shade, and they're like, you know, in the daytime you sit and do nothing. You stay in the shade, conserve your energy, and you know we sat around a BS till the sun went down. Then they made us do all the work, you know, some uh, some basic, you know, land navigation by the stars across the dunes and shooting flares and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I think they fed us one sea ration. That tells you how long ago it was. No, no MREs. These are sea rations. Um, sea means can, by the way. I don't know if you yeah. know that. Okay. I actually, uh, I listened to your Sears School <laughs> oh, uh, you did? podcast. Okay. Before. And that that's kind of another thing is that, you know, it's unfortunate because it was I was really interested in your Sears School podcast. I wanted to hear all about it. Uh, but unfortunately, Sears School's changed quite a bit oh, since you okay. so it's, it's not the same. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to uh, uh, make some, uh, put some show notes that, please remember, this is 25 years old. 
It ain't the same anymore. Um, okay, so no desert. Now, all right, one more question. Did they give you bunnies? Yeah, we, we okay. got to do the bunny. How many? And actually, they, besides that bunny, we were not fed the rest of the time. So we didn't get any rations. We didn't get any MREs. We, besides the bunny and like a tiny little piece of fruit, you know, on one day or the other, we did not eat for six days. Yeah, how's that? that just takes the uh, energy out of you. So well, that, that was interesting. I was expecting to get fed more, but yeah. you know, nothing. Okay. Um, all right. So we won't we won't bug you anymore about Sears School because I you know I don't want to. I understand it's sensitive stuff now. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's not even about like I'm you know it's not about like I don't want to help people. It the point is is that they protect it for a reason, and it this stuff you know saves lives of our you know men in arms who get shot down. So it's really doing them a disservice, disservice to talk about this kind of stuff and let the enemy find out, you know, what our tactics are and that kind of thing. So it's not, a, it's not about not helping other people. It's about protecting the people that this training is supposed to protect. And it also makes, you know, it harder on the, the staff at Sears school because they have to change the, the syllabus every so often change the scenario because gouge gets out and then it gets obvious that people know what's coming. I agree with I, all of that. I can't, <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't, can't take away from it i um it's if if a you know a bad guy knows how to break you down because he knows the things that sears school has taught you then you're that much worse off so i can understand yeah okay so six days no food all right so now you check did you was the command for sears school is that your was that transitory i mean so you checked in there first or did you go to the rag check in there and then they said okay no go over here no my my orders were basically intermediate to the okay. sear school and then uh you know pcs completes at the rag so i was tad to sear school okay so what is the rag squadron for you now i'm uh, i'm at hsc3 okay so now hsc3 back in my day flew 46s i was hc3 yep i knew some people that went through there one of the first female air crewmen I'd ever met. Huh. She <laughs> in the HC, she was you know, she was lift right. Are they called the gunslingers? Was H, was that HC eleven? <laughs> anyway, um, she couldn't uh, she couldn't do it. She couldn't look out the hole and not get airsick. <laughs> um, so I don't I don't I don't remember what ended up happening to her. All right, so H. HSC three. Okay, so now are are they still over in the double hump hangars there, North Island, or are they in the new stuff there over by the tower? Yeah, it's uh, they're still in those double hangars. It's like HSC three, HSC twenty one, and like HS ten or something like that. Uh, HS ten's been there for years. Yeah, they're in the they're in the what I would call the. Um, let me think for a minute how North Island is laid out. The two humps. So HS10 would be in like the south hump, and then you guys would be in the north hump, right? Yeah, we're like we're like up against the seawall. The hump close to the seawall. Yeah, yeah. If you go down, um, all right. So, and then you, I take it you're not living on base. No, no. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm living actually kind of far from base. I'm up in like Mission Valley, up off the 15. 15 and like eight or past the eight. Um, right, right by the 15 and eight, basically. Okay, so you can see the stadium. Oh yeah, I'm right by the stadium. Now, was this a was this a place some famous online community pointed you to? Uh, you could say that. Okay. <laughs> was it was it everything the brochure said it would be? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> definitely seen a lot of young females around here. Um, oh, what are it's they? Also kind of, it's also kind of dangerous because there's a, a ton of air crew guys here, so you never know. But, uh, <laughs> never know what if they're, you never know who you're talking if to. They're ease, so. If they're, e- if they're enlisted folks or not. Yeah. You should be able to tell by the haircut. Oh, no, you're talking uh, about the, well, you're talking about true. the females. Like, girlfriends okay. or wives or, oh, yeah, know, okay. <laughs> I could see that. So you've been in San Diego since the 8th, right? E- no, I left on the 8th. Oh, well, okay. 
since like the twelfth or something like that. Yeah. All right. So it took you four days to drive. Something like that. Yeah. All right. And uh, so what what sites did you see? What did you go? What about I don't know? But you're from the West Coast, so you've been to San Diego before, right? Oh yeah, I've been. I've I've made a couple trips up to LA already to see my family and stuff like that. So. Okay. So what do you like best about San Diego? Uh, I I like it. Um, I I would say I like how it's it's very, you know, big and there's plenty of stuff to do. Very much like L.A., but it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot nicer. Seems a lot newer. Yeah, I dig San Diego. Now that was, I I, I might have even said it to you, said it to you before. That was one of the downsides of getting out was having to leave San Diego. Because <laughs> seriously, it's a awesome town. I mean, you know, that's that's why I wanted to live here. But, uh, you know, I, I can always come back. I mean, that's why I'm not down about going to Guam. I mean, I figure if I can live in San Diego anytime I want, especially as a civilian. I mean, how many times would you get an opportunity to live in a place like Guam? So Yeah, never. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, all right. So have you actually started anything in the RAG yet? What day is it? Uh, yeah, I I checked in... Uh, last monday and uh it basically just been doing like the check-in stuff last week and then started uh some of the computer courseware and that's mostly what you do in the beginning and then you start getting into practicing playing with some of the avionics and stuff and then you start getting into the sims and do a couple computer tests and then eventually i don't know you start flying after maybe a month or two months somewhere in there but there i mean the sierra has such complicated avionics it's all glass cockpit and computer driven that you've got to learn how to use that stuff i mean it's not just like you know the the bravo which everything is a a gauge or you know a a little knob that you turn to turn something on there's like multiple layers on the key sets and all this crazy stuff you got to learn so so yeah you push one button it actually lights up three more exactly (laughs) (laughs) so all right so it's wow and, and I take it there's a, um, uh, I mean, it's self-paced, right? But they still have some sort of expectation as to how quickly you'll complete some of this stuff. They, they give an estimate to complete the, the syllabus in about six months, but there there's always going to be, you know, unforeseen delays. I mean, if there if there isn't a ship available to do your, your ship qual, then you're yeah, kind of hanging around duty and waiting so you never know but it's definitely a lot more self-paced than flight school i mean there there is a distinct change from flight school flight school uh completely different i mean they give you a syllabus they hold your hand they say read this book this book will tell you everything you need to know uh what you need to have done before you go on this event and you know the instructors or lieutenants but we call them sir it's like you know the rag you know, the lieutenants are our instructors, but we call them by a first name basis. Uh, you know, the the syllabus is not as clear cut as to what exactly you need to get done before what, you know, event you're going to. So you kind of just have to keep all that stuff like in your own head and kind of figure it out for yourself. It, it's it's a lot more self-paced and it's a lot more responsibility on you to get what you need done. Yeah, now that, that hasn't changed. Uh, rag the, the rag, the self-paced uh, study library concept hasn't changed. I just um, yeah. the computer though that that keeps track of your progress, keeps track of you know. I'm I'm assuming it won't let uh, you do the next lesson until you pass the the previous one, that sort of a thing. Right. It, yeah. Exactly. You're you're opted for stuff that you're supposed to be opted for, and you got to complete the courseware in order and all that good stuff. And and um, so there's no like library. I mean, because see, <laughs> here, here's how bad it was. You know, we had a library. You go. You had a check, you know, a, a, a course list, right? I'm starting this subject, which would be, um, you know, hoist hook and hoist operations. And right. The hook and hoist operation was, you know, five lessons. Let's say, um, one of them dealing with, you know, the hand signals when you're on the ground. One of them dealing with, you know, how do we complete a hoist operation when ICS stops working? Um, how do you complete a hoist operation if the the electronic control for your hoist ups? We're going to do it hydro, you know. You have to do the manual hydraulics, and so you do this in order, right? Well, you go, okay. Here I'm ready to check this out, and they had a master book, and they could tell, okay, you've completed these. They knew which one to give you next. You couldn't fool the guy, you know, the librarian, say, oh, I'm on lesson five, when you could look at your right. sheet and oh, well, no, actually you're on lesson one, dude. Here's your stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, 
even though people tried to spoof all the time, where they'd get stuck, right? The the test for something, they couldn't get it done. And, and in an effort to kind of clear their head or move on or, you know, want to come back to it, they weren't allowed. No, go try again. <laughs> they, weren't yeah. allowed, they weren't allowed to, to, you know, bypass. And um, some of our lessons were on film strips. You know, film strips, like 35 millimeter film strips, you put in a little film projector... Right. Projected on the screen and had a little cassette tape that beeped and you'd flip the picture. Yep. <laughs> you <know>? So, <laughs> uh, you know, I just kind of been nice gee whiz if it was all truly computer-based <laughs> back in the day. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely useful. I mean, you can go in there anytime and, I mean, it's there's less legwork to be done with, you know, going to somebody and actually getting a, you know, a hard copy of something from a person. I mean, you just go into the computer lab, you log on, and you do what you got to do and, you know, move on. Now, now is your schoolroom and your computer lab in one in, in your hangar or is it in a building down the road or something? something? It's 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 in a building uh out just outside the flight line from the hangars. It's like an it's a training building. Okay. That's yeah. uh, that's where a lot of the fracs have classes too. Is that little? Is that is it like a low white building? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, I did a change of command ceremony there once when that building was new. Hmm. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Also, yeah, I'm just old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was back when they were calling the wing HSL wing back. No, before they called it, it was before it was when it was still called the ASW wing. <laughs> before they dropped all the fixed wing crap out of it. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's see. What else? Uh, all right. So you just basically started. You got six months, June. So Christmas time, around about there. And then yeah, hopefully years. I'll, I'll probably take a a lot of leave before I get out of here. Um, so I'm I'm expecting maybe January or February. Okay. Now I'm going to put you on the spot and and. Uh, ask you what you're thinking uh, is going to happen down the road. You're, you've done your three years. You're out at uh, HSC Guam. Uh, you get to come back for your... It's a shore rotation, right? Uh, yep. What are you going to try to do? Well, see, now you are putting me on this box. In three years, if I'm doing something else, I'm going to look like a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on now. <laughs> You know the. the, right, well, the what would wait, I like let me do? let me let me wait. Let me say the five people that are listening to this right now are gonna you know if they're around in three years then <laughs> then that's you know good for me. But come on. <laughs> All right. What well, what would I like to do? I would like to, uh, you know, having no experience in the fleet, I'm saying right now I would probably like to come back and be a rag instructor here in San Diego. Okay. That, that would be what I would want to do. Now does the the. Uh, the career progression for, you know, pilot officers in the Navy, your your first shore duty is a flying billet, correct? Uh, or a it, lot of times it is, but it doesn't have to be. And if it isn't, what happens? Are you screwed? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, I, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, people who have done other than flying billets, but... Uh, you know, I think I think it's a common career progression to do that. I think a lot of guys will typically go back and be a rag instructor or go back and be a VT HT instructor. It yeah. just that's just what a lot of people do because th- there's a lot of demand for that. They need a lot of people, especially in the HTs, because it's so specialized. You're gonna like end up in the, in, in the VTs. You can be a jet guy, you can be a P3 guy, you can be a helicopter guy, but the HTs obviously can only take helicopter, helicopter guys, guys yeah. so they need people over there. You're gonna end up on an admiral staff somewhere. <laughs> Could be. That's <laughs> just. I was just saying that to be mean, but you know, <laughs> they need they need lieutenants too. They're not all. Uh, they're not all oh four oh fives and up. Someone's got to do the real work, right? Someone's got to make the coffee. <laughs> no, that's what the E sixes are for. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a good friend who his la- one of his last gigs was a was at the wing. <laughs> he was miserable. <laughs> My know. mistake. I forgot the the Air Force O threes are the ones who make the coffee. Oh, in the yeah. in the Navy, we actually have real jobs. More. <laughs> That's <O3>. right. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be amongst the Air Force, aren't you? There in Guam. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll definitely have our own little pocket of hate and discontent over in Guam on base, but we're I think we're a little bit removed from them, so but, but it's, it's it'll, it'll be nice because the Air Force has all the money, so they have all the nice amenities on base. Yes, the yes. Best gym, the best golf course. So it's still Air Force rules, though. Air eh, Force base. Air... <laughs> you got to stick it to the Air Force, just like you got to stick it to the hinges, right? That's right. Res- you know, you talked about resistance, right? The little victories. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so let's see. What else, what else do I usually ask you? Any uh, any embarrassing stories in any of your flying adventures since we've last talked? You talked about getting sick, big deal. You talked about riding along for solos. Anybody scare you there? Anybody, uh, anybody try to know, kill you? No, but I would say that's probably been one of the most interesting parts of, of flight school was actually getting to fly with another student because, I mean, you know, in, in fixed-wing land, you never do. And, and I mean, in primary. Um, and then in the HTs, you kind of do because you get to observe in the back for some of them. But to actually fly alone with another student was probably one of the most interesting things I've done because you really get to see, like, how they fly. And it, you, it's surprising to see how good some of them are as pilots and how not so good some of the other ones are so you, you could take with you you might actually learn something from them is that what you're getting at oh sure and i, I mean any time something. you go flying you should learn something i mean if you're not learning something every time you go flying you probably need to not be flying anymore oh i was gonna say but, i know i know i always learned that that uh, death was you know one small slip away oh yeah and it's funny because I, you know, a couple weeks later after I was already gone, and you know these guys were getting ready to select, you know, I'd, I'd hear, oh, so and so got, you know, HSC San Diego, and I was like, oh, well, that's not surprising. I flew with him on his solo, and he was he was really good, so I'm, I'm sure he probably did well and got what he wanted. And then other people, you know, I kind of, oh, they got HSL Mayport, and like, oh, there's no surprise there. He wasn't exactly that great. So, are, are, are you still saying grading has a has a say when you select at this point? Oh sure, yeah. Your your grades your grades are probably a you know a direct you know directly related to what you get. I mean that there are you know the rumors of the quality spread, and sometimes they're going to send the best guy to something that's not so popular. But overall, I would say if you're number one, you're going to get what you want. If you're number two or number three, maybe they'll send you somewhere that you don't want. But generally, if you do well, you get what you want or close to it. Do you consider you got close to what you wanted? I mean. Have you, have you reflected? Oh, yeah. Do you, I mean, yeah, you absolutely. I mean, honestly, like what what I what I put down on my sheet is not what I would put down on my sheet now if I had to go back and do it again. What honestly, would, what would you change? I I would probably change to put HSC uh, as my first choice, and regardless of location, I would probably put HSC oh, airframe, you know, okay. San Diego, Norfolk. Norfolk, okay. I would I would choose HSC over over San Diego because honestly, if I had to go back and if I had got like HSL San Diego. I I would not be as happy as I am going to be flying Sierras. That's honestly how I feel. Okay, I I, I know you're getting the the idea about the HSL land, especially East Coast. I just and still it's can't. not just that. I've I've talked to a, a handful of Bravo pilots, especially there's actually a. Uh, another guy who's actually transitioning from Bravos here in, in my RAG class, and I've talked to him quite a bit uh, about Bravos and HSL, and it, it's it seems to be the majority opinion that you don't want to fly Bravos. That's just too bad. You know, I know where it came from too. I, I, I they all got prima donna attitudes when Mark III, when the Lamps Mark III came online, they were the shit. Yeah. You know, us little H two pogues. You know, no, no, those guys suck. <laughs> but you know, I mean, really, I, I just wonder if it, if I, I, no, I don't wonder. I know that it came out of that attitude that that they turned into this freak show, uh, monster of how much trivial knowledge can you amass? And I just, that's well, too bad I, I, that, that they got. That's true. That's exactly what you know. That's at least part of the problem. And that talking to multiple Bravo pilots. But what that came from, I think, is the fact that, uh, you know, the Bravo is getting pretty old at this point and maintenance is being a huge issue. So the only way the JOs can, can really compete is, you know, by NATOPS evaluations. So whoever can get the highest NATOPS scores, you know, wins and gets the best fit reps. So that 
basically has translated into how much random, useless knowledge can I memorize from Nate Tops? Okay. The, the, does the, when you say win, does that mean they win more flight hours? I mean... I, I'm just saying, like, career progression. Who's getting the best fit reps? It, okay. It's going to be the people who have, you know, the highest NATOPS exam scores or, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, how, now, how can you compete as a JO? Now, I can understand that, the you know, the aircraft being long in the tooth translates to, you know, maintenance issues. But, you know, back in my day, all right, I was flying in, oh, shoot. Okay, so mid-'80s, and the aircraft came online in '59. So I was flying in twenty-five-year-old airplanes, and I, you know, again, I'm, I might have been sheltered because I was in a different, you know, division or department than than pilots. But I don't seem to recall overhearing any kind of, you know, trivia trivia tests of, over our airplane that was, you know, twenty-some odd years old, going to be thirty before they retire them, and some of them have bullet holes from their time in Vietnam. <laughs> No, seriously. <laughs> had, I'm sure. We had, we, I mean, our squadron had one airplane. That, that was the forward deployed ship. It was the ship that stayed in Japan, and it had it had it had patches from you know being shot at. So, right. I, I, you know, so you know, if you want to compare, see, you're not the guy I should be talking about this to. I should, some of the people are telling you this. I should try to be comparing notes because I, I mean, we had older. You know, our airplanes are old old ass technology everything was old in it and you know uh, we have guys pilots that said that every single safety thing that you saw added because you know killed somebody you know like the doors the the transmission doors would fly open in flight so we're gonna put a pin you know just different different things that, that they learned over the years to make the airplane safer i just uh, I, honestly sorry, sorry you, you, just... I'm, I'm beating you up and you're you're just a messenger i'm i'm very sorry oh no i mean this is just word of mouth that i've gotten from other people i have absolutely no idea why i mean i could guess and say you know who knows I mean, maybe there was a lot more money in the 80s and they don't have the money now to do the maintenance that they need to do uh, maybe there's <laughs> new possible. maintenance requirements yeah, that weren't there in the 80s i have no idea but i that's just what people have told me that you know hey you know, people get out in the weeds with this random knowledge, and it's it's useless. You know, there's stuff that you just don't need to know as a pilot. It's fly, not going to help. Fly the damn airplane. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. Like I said, I shouldn't be ranting on you. I shouldn't be. Oh ranting no. On I mean, I, I'm just glad I'm not in a community where I need to know. You know, how many microns is you know the oil filtered? Is that can, <laughs> is that going to help me in the cockpit? Uh, no, it's not. It's, no. it's useless. <laughs> I remember in flight school, I had uh, I had a Bravo pilot who I actually really liked flying with the guy, but you know, one of his famous questions was like you know what kind of oil does the transmission system take and i mean i guess if you're briefing that system you should probably know it just for the brief at least but honestly it's, if i was in the fleet do i really need to know that he's like no it's, it's the same it doesn't matter which you said hydraulic right is that what you just said whatever whatever he asked me hydraulic uh, transmission what 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 uh, is the brand of oil or what's the mil spec oil that you need okay i'm like why, when would i ever need to know that from memory in the cockpit he's like what if you need to get oil well i break out my pocket checklist and it's written right, right in there that's right you just you, you just don't need to know that from memory you, or you don't or you tell the numbskull in the back to go do it it's his job to know it's just that, that kind of stuff that bothers me it's just you don't need to know that stuff yeah i can't but I, I i've i've gotten the impression that hsc so far it, it's it's just not like that for us, at least not as much. Yeah, because its roots are in the CH46 community. Yeah, and I mean, there's actually a, a lot of stuff in our NATOPS that doesn't go into the weeds specifically because they don't want us to know that because we don't have to. Whereas if you look at, you know, the HSL NATOPS, they've got all this random stuff. And, I mean, those guys are, are you know, skimming through the maintenance manuals and stuff to get all these numbers, and it's just useless. You remember I got a quiz once about uh, uh, the 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 metal um, stuff on on your hoses, right on the engine. You know the the braided lines. Goodness gracious, brain fade. You know the braided lines. You know how there's like five little things together, and they make the little crisscross. You know, and someone asked me, you know, how many? How, how do you know when it's worn? You know, how do you know when that, that braided line is officially worn by Navy standards? <laughs> you know, and I reach for my book, my, you know, my blue nate tops, right? No, it's not in there. Yeah. Well, as a plane captain, you're supposed to know this. Oh, crap. You know, so now it's a freaking footlocker full of pubs. 
the hose and tube manual, right? Somewhere buried in there. You know, it's two strands per plat. I've carried that all these years because I, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I was ever asked. Yeah. I've forgotten more things, but that stupid question that didn't matter, two strands per plat. Well, I yeah, ever see. I've, <laughs> I've heard all sorts of stuff like that. Like, you know, somebody getting a, a NATOPS oral exam or something like that, and the guy asked him a question. He's like, I have no idea. And he tells me the answer. He's like, Where'd you get that from? He's like, Oh, it's in the maintenance manual. He's That's like, not NATOPS, You really expect dude. me to flip through the maintenance manual and read that too? No. No. That's silly. Yeah, no, I. All right, let's see. Um, All right, I've asked you that. I've asked. Oh wait, you didn't get you didn't get a chance to tell me. All right, so we talked about dude, you flew it. Nobody tried to kill you, right? No, no. Um, God, did you try? You know, any no stories about your own shortcomings or failings or doing something dumb. That would make for a funny. That would make us all laugh at you. You know, it's it's funny because I uh, I I completely expected to have a call sign by now because I'm. Oh, I'm, that's a good question, and you don't. I I would. I'm totally the kind of guy that would do something retarded to get a call sign, but I I really didn't. I mean, my I, I I had good flights and I had not so good flights, but nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, thankfully I didn't do anything really stupid to earn a call sign. <laughs> well, you might you might get one out of the rag. Yeah, it's it's still early. <laughs> Two of uh, let's see the the pilots I sailed with, not a single one of them had a call sign until we went to sea. Oh yeah, <laughs> plenty of stuff happens at sea. I'm sure. Oh well, you know, one guy we called Houdini because he'd disappear really fast. He'd come in. <laughs> he'd come into the to the shop. Hey guys, what's the what's up with this? You know, and he was um he wasn't maintenance. He was ops, right? So here's the flight schedule. You know, here's what we're gonna do, and um, I mean, you turn around and psh, gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then the maintenance, the, the guy was our maintenance officer for the detachment. We'd call him Downham. His nickname was Downham because he would find these small things that would actually be, you know, true good downing gripes. We're like, how do you see that? Yeah. And it, actually, most of the instructors at the RAG were the ones that had call signs. I think about it. <laughs> we didn't have none of, the, none of the students did. So, but yeah, you'll you know, you'll have your time. I certainly don't hope I'd. Uh, it's not something so good I get to read about in a newspaper. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> like been too much of that lately. Like splash. Yeah, that's that's not a good. Yeah, yeah, I heard <laughs> about it. Hey, you, you're referring to HS six, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, but uh, it it happens from time to time. Yeah, it's too bad. No, you know, there's. Just, yeah, we'll have to. I'll have, I'll have to ask the question offline because okay. there's a question that's popped in my head, and I don't want to ask while the recorder's running. Gotcha. And you know, give everybody, <clears throat> give the few listeners some air of mystery, like. <laughs> Maybe I'll let it slip later or something. I don't know. All right, Josh. You know, is there any is there anything I've forgotten? Is there anything that you think that uh, I should have asked and haven't? Honestly, I, you can I say can't, no. That's okay. I I, I, that's I can't fun. think of a thing. I mean, it's it's been pretty boring uh, lately. I mean, the last time. No, no, it's not boring. Was, no, naval aviator life, exciting, fun. No boring. See, Oh, it's, it's it's not boring, but uh, you know sometimes the high point of my day is taking a nap. So you know, the life of a naval aviator is very exciting. You know, the bad side of taking a nap is you're not sleepy when you should be. <laughs> you know, and you're up till you know midnight or one, and you got to get up at six. I, I got to remember some good stories from uh, like the soft patch ceremony, which is uh, it's it's more of the informal part of when you get winged. It's the night before. And you go in your flight suits with your family, and and your on wing, the guy who flew your first twelve flights to your check ride, uh, he gets up there and he tells a funny story and, and rips off uh, your old patch with you know the officer's crest on it, uh-huh. and slaps on your new patch with uh, wings on it, huh? Wings on it, and it, but it's family so. friendly, right? Because there's family there. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, they they tell some. They try not to curse too much or anything because maybe there's some kids there, but. Uh, there's there's some pretty good stories. Um, 
Mine, mine wasn't so good. I think my my instructor basically just called me a suck up or something, something oh, lame like that. No, but uh, but there was one good story that I, I remember, and uh, and of course it's it's a bag on the Air Force, which I always enjoy. That's good. So uh, I, I think he, he and his instructor were uh, flying somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I think they were flying up to uh, Annapolis or something to catch a, a Navy game or something, uh, or maybe they weren't flying to Annapolis, but there was a big Navy game that weekend. And, uh, of course, they checked in on some approach or center frequency, you know, with their call sign, which includes Navy. So um, they were just sitting there, and after a couple minutes, uh, some other guy pops on the radio, uh, obviously another pilot uh, who was an Army pilot, and says, you know, go Army, beat Navy okay. on the uh, ATC frequency. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, you know, not to be left out, uh, another Air Force pilot <laughs> said whatever the Air Force's fight song is or, or little exclamation said, you know, whatever, go Air Force. Okay. And uh, and finally, this guy gets back on the radio and he responds with, quiet Air Force, men are talking. Oh, <laughs> That's so nice. That, that, was this, that was this young student's soft patch ceremony. So I, I thought that was a good one. And, and that's all over clear ATC frequency. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. There, there, there's always shenanigans going on <laughs> ATC frequency, especially if it's not busy and, you know, you're out there in the middle of, like, Albuquerque, okay. over Albuquerque and you're talking Albuquerque Center. Some so. podunk center. Okay. That's, no. that's awesome. <laughs> so that was that's one of awesome. many, probably one of the more PG stories. Yeah. <laughs> So I'll have to think of some more. There, there are some funny stories of people, you know, and, and half the time they're not even true. And they kind of introduce the soft patch ceremony with, you know, we're going to regale you with stories uh, about your, you know, your loved one going through flight training. And sometimes they're true. Sometimes they're not. All made up. Yeah, just for the entertainment value. And, you know, obviously if it's made up, it's it's got to be homoerotic to some degree. Because, so. <laughs> yes, even though, we, well, <laughs> D, you know, don't ask, don't tell has been repealed, but we're still don't condone that right <laughs> sort of de facto not condoning it <laughs> uh, all right then well you know i, I say we can uh, we can sign off here and uh we'll try not to wait four months to chat again yeah hopefully once i actually touch a 60 i'll have something yeah, more interesting that'll be nice yeah Let's see how it compares to flying a a, a c model jet ranger <laughs> See how it, 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 you know, you can tell us how how different it is. A little more complicated, a little more crew concept, especially with the uh, the air crewman in the back. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Well, I, sure, but I'm I'm thinking of just the stick feel. I'm, I'm that's uh oh yeah, that's personally yeah. what I mentioned in feel you know no understanding is how different it feels. You know, does it truly does it truly feel heavier? You know, even though the your flight controls are still boosted and all that, so. Uh, from what I understand, it's going to be a lot easier to fly than the 57. See? All right. So you have... <laughs> but you'll... Next, so next time you talk, you'll, you'll, you, won't be, you won't be understanding. You'll know. You'll be able to tell us that you know. Exactly. Sounds, sounds like a deal. Sounds so, good to me. All righty. All right. Then, uh, yeah, we'll sign off here and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll chat again, you know, a couple months. Sounds good. Alrighty. And that'll wrap up our second to last conversation with Josh. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that you can send an email to me at mike at navalair.net. If you just want to say hi, leave feedback, what have you. You can also leave feedback on iTunes. You can find the Naval Air podcast in the iTunes music store and um, leave some feedback there as well. So yeah, that'll do it for this 21st edition of the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm your host. Stay safe and God bless. Bye.